everyone, and welcome along to your very slightly delayed live Monday edition of the TII Bulletin. My name is Craig Dennett, and I'm your host this evening, as I'm joined by Tommy McIntyre. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm very well, thank you. I, I think I probably need to take the blame on this occasion for us being slightly delayed. So, aye, there we go. My apologies to you both and to the uh, to the watchers. I mean, I forgive you, Tommy. It's, it's, the, it's the listeners that the listeners that are coming for you already. I just don't know if I can forgive myself. That's the uh, <laughs> that's that's the main point. Absolutely, and we're joined by Reese as well. How are you doing, Reese? Yeah, we're all good, Craig. I'm just glad to see the result yesterday, and on another week of transfer speculation. Best time of the year. <laughs> It's the best time of year if you're making signings, but we're not quite at that stage yet for some reason. Um, I'm sure we'll go on to we'll go on to that at some point. We'll we'll take a wee quick look back at the the Aberdeen game yesterday and some of the controversies and inverted commas that are, that have come out of the come out of the game today. Um, we'll take a look at transfer activity starting with uh, Todd Cantwell. We'll look at um, some rumoured uh, bids that have been made and rejected by uh, for Rangers. Um, over the last few days, we'll talk about VAR and we'll look about um, a preview for the Commander game on Wednesday night as well. Tommy, we're um, over 24 hours on from Rangers beating Aberdeen in the League Cup semi-final after extra time. Uh, what are your reflections on that? Now you've had a bit of time to, to mull it over. Probably two immediate things that are nothing to do with the, the game, which is, I remember a time I used to get a Good evening, Blue Nose 70. Uh, I used to get a better intro. Oh, there's the editor. That's great. Now it's just a case that I, well, thanks for turning up eventually, by the way, mate, uh, and then kicking on. And then I'm not entirely sure when when BC's court case is due. Obviously, it looks like he's dressed, like he's, he's just stepped out. I hope you got away with it again, uh, evidently, buddy. Um, nice. Listen, before we get into the game, I think it's probably boilerplate by this point in time, but Hamden is a national disgrace. And the pitch uh, was a national joke. It's absolutely appalling that that's where we play our our glamour games, so to speak, in terms of the domestic and the state of that pitch, just cutting up everywhere. In terms of the actual game itself, it's all right. You know, you turn up for these things, and the whole point is to get through to the final because that's all anybody remembers, right? Semi-finals are, are by and large just a gateway. And we huffed and we puffed and we allowed ourselves to be pushed about a little bit in the first half. Our defending was as much of a joke as the pitch at times. We seemed to lack a lot of discipline. And then we got out of jail. And I think the sending off massively helped us, although we controlled a lot of the ball and people can talk to me about chances created. And I think we had nine off target and you know we've dominated 50% of the position or whatever on five on target. But it was all right. Um, we got the job done. It's probably no more stable than that, actually. Yeah, I think, I mean, I am, uh, if you want to know someone who had a bad seat at Hamden yesterday, I'm definitely uh, the poster boy for that. I was uh, row A in the North Stand, could barely see over the advertising boards, never mind anything else. Um, so it wasn't, the, it wasn't the best view. And actually, I had no idea we scored the second goal because all I could see was bodies in the box. I didn't see a football in there at all. So, um, <laughs> so if anyone is a poster boy for that, that is definitely me. Uh, Reese, just uh, Tonga obviously mentioned the pitch. He mentioned some of um, our play and the, obviously the sending off, which was a big, I was going to say turning point, but it was a big moment in the match. What What are your reflections on on the game yesterday? Very much the same as Tommy's, to be honest. Um, not too dissimilar at all, but. Again, I thought the pitch itself is a problem. The fact that we played both semi-finals there on the same weekend, you see it coming on the Friday, you know it's going to happen. Whoever's got the game on the Sunday is in big trouble. It's going to be rough. It's going to be bouncing the ball all around. But I think Hamden itself is a totally different debate. It just needs a lot of renovation. The game itself, just glad to be through. thought Sakala, again, high in confidence, played well. It's a match that, as Tommy says, both teams had a fair few chances. I actually thought, in hindsight, it could have ended three each. I think for their goal, the one that was ruled offside, rightly ruled offside, I'm always a bit sceptical playing a high line because I think if you play the offside trap, you risk somebody getting it wrong. But again, we seem to have played it right. VAR working, then not working. 
I think Bale summed it up perfectly. If that's going to happen, put a note out and let people know, just scrap it for this game. We've went long enough without it. I think if it's not working properly, then we can do without it. It's not as if we're reliant upon it. But um, aye, it was it was a good game. Entertaining, it must be said. Um, glad Ryan Jack scored against them and the wee story last night was entertaining. But I think just more than anything else, glad to be through. Yeah, just absolutely. on that, it takes a it takes a long time to get from the maintenance office in Hamden all the way down to the meter to put some VAR money into it and double check with the with the Rangers management if they still if they still want it on. So <laughs> that's probably what helped that up a wee bit. Yeah, well, let's you've both touched on VAR there, so let's talk a wee bit about I guess the controversy uh, that that has come out of of the weekend's games, both the um, Celtic versus Kilmarnock first semi-final and then our own game, Rangers versus Aberdeen. Uh, let's look at our own game first. I think the, the controversial moment, if you're anyone but Michael Stewart, the controversial one is not the red card for Aberdeen, um, but he seemed to, to try and dig out a bit of controversy in there. But I think really the one that seems to have been covered by most people in the media is the um, the potential Ryan Kent, I'm going to put an in inverted commas because it, it wasn't one, but punch on William Scales. Um, Tommy, what's your, what were your thoughts on that instant at the game? What, what did you think? Anything of it? No, it's, the, it's, it's probably the, the very quick answer. I mean, listen, you can debate these things, right? And you say, anytime you raise your hands towards an opponent's face or their head or whatever, you're going to give the referee a, a decision. That's all nonsense, right? It's a slight tussle with no real intent. And if this was any other club or any other country, we wouldn't be staring down down the barrel of talking about this for the next until the next old firm year. Um, talking about this all the way through with pressure going on officials. It's it's just nonsense, right? He's not, you know, Evander Holyfield him or Iron Mike Tyson him, right? It was just a wee tussle in the middle of the park. Anybody looking for anything else is doing one of two things: exposing the fact that a moron has enough of them kicking about, or trying to do a clickbait, a bit like a, a well. In a Venn diagram, Michael Stewart's really lucky he sits in both of those camps. So ultimately, it's a nothing, right? You might as well just say, well, Kent's got form. If anything, he's been rehabilitated because I remember a time when Kent was using his hands as guns, and that's far more dangerous than using them as fists. So if anything, Rangers have managed to rehabilitate Ryan Kent and, and take the violence out of him. Absolutely, and let, let's hope that continues for, for many years to come. Um, on the VAR point, um, Dermot Gallagher, the, the former Premier League referee, was on Sky Sports News today. He did his usual ref watch um, sort of piece where they go through some of the key instants from the weekend and they, they, um, they look at whether the on-field decision was correct or whether it should have been different. They looked at, um, they looked at the Ryan Kent one and said it wasn't a red card at any point. It was, um, like Tommy said, a tussle in the middle of the park and and that was it. If anything, it was maybe a yellow, but absolutely a yellow at most. Um, they looked at the other controversial incident they looked at was the uh, penalty that Kamarnock should have had, and the feeling was that um, it should have been a penalty to Kamarnock in the last minute of that game. What are your thoughts on VAR overall and its use in Scotland just now? We also saw, as you mentioned before, Reese, that it stopped working for about ten minutes. Um, and the game, they announced the fact to supporters that it was it wasn't going to be used for the rest of the game, and then they announced it was going to be used. It it seems it's definitely had teething issues. I think it's fair to say. But what are your thoughts on on VAR as a whole? I think it's it's well worth keeping and sticking with. I think it's we all want to get the best outcomes and best results and the right results and the ultimate of the sport. But um, I think you're always going to have teething problems with it. The fact that it's been allowed to not work for a certain part of a game, which is a semi-final, after, what, four, maybe five weeks off for World Cup, if not more, is more of a an, a damning indictment on those that actually put it in place, like the SPFL, the SFA. Um, I don't get how it just goes during a game. If you know it comes and goes, then sort that before implementing it. But it's just, I want it to work. It's just, we always knew there was going to be teething problems, there's human error involved, and I I would keep it, persevere with it, and 
the SFA or SPFL, whoever it is, is incompetence to run it effectively is more an indictment on them than the actual system itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, uh, it's it's interesting when you look at it and obviously the pressure after the game seems to be coming from Celtic-minded individuals in the, in the media who I think are looking ahead to the, the final itself and trying to get some sort of um, some sort of retribution because they, they know that Ryan Kent will be a danger on that game. Um, shout out to Robert Blanc here, so who's, who's give, given us a donation, so thank you very much for that, Robert. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of controversy in the, in the other semi-final, um, but we oh, won't... Sorry, as much as I'm... It's very kind of, of Robert. Bob White, that's, that's his name. Bob, Bob White... Uh, there's no way, there's that. Robert, you can call me on that, but uh, I'm, I'm digging the blonde out and I'm saying it's Bob White has given us money. Thank you very much, Bob. Funding my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> All monies are retained by the editor. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but yeah, there's definitely controversies over the weekend and I don't think controversies are going to go away. I think when VAR was coming in, there was a lot of people who thought it might... It might um, solve a lot of those those um minor moments or, or minor controversies but actually it's it's probably brought just switched the conversation slightly as to how people are approaching it um so it'll be i think I've, i think i personally think VAR is a good thing um but we'll uh, i don't think it'll ever take away the controversy um i think the, the so the cup final was um the, i'll give it its full name the viaplay cup final was confirmed um for sunday 26th of february three o'clock kickoff on a sunday for an old firm game what's your your thoughts on that one reese three o'clock kickoff on a sunday it's i think the sunday itself will deter enough people from i want to say going overboard as much as that may never be the case but i think the applications for about 50 percent of glasgow have already been sent into the workplaces for the work quality the following monday but um, I, it's exciting. It's a cup final. It's an old firm game. It will be a showpiece. It's enough time for the SPFL, the SFA to get their act together with VAR and the stadium, etc. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It's a chance to win silverware. And I think even being involved in a final is not something that Rangers have ever turned down, and especially against them. So hopefully we can show them for how beatable they are. Tommy, one of the things I said when Michael Beale first came in was that absolutely he had to make the final of both cups and win at least one of them he's he's he started off on the right foot winning the semi-final how do you view our chances as it currently stands how do you view our chances as we as we head into that game on february 26 chances are good i mean we've just played uh celtic uh, and went toe-to-toe with what is an invincible you know team in this in this country at the moment on a great run and they had to get a late winner. And you can make arguments about their bench and who they started and all that type of stuff, but I don't think there's a, a level of fear there. And certainly Michael Beale is approaching those games slightly differently than Gio was. You can see that in the style of play. And that suits us better than it suits them. You sit off them, they'll do you over. If you actually you know, work hard against them like we did, you win the right to play. And then we do actually have talented players. In terms of you know getting to the final, trophies are always the important thing, right? Simple as that. That's why I don't particularly care about semis, semi-finals, I should say, most of the time in terms of they are just a gateway. That, that's it. It's only once you actually you know, get into the, the the melting pot of winning it. And Michael Beale has not made a noose for himself, but he's been fairly upfront in press conferences saying things like, it's unthinkable if we don't win a trophy. And so, you know, the weight of expectation is something gets done. It also puts down a marker if we do win it, to say, right, something's back in town here. We're, you know, we're ready for this. And that's before whoever we add in in, in January, we'll come to that later. And then as part of that, putting down a marker, another word you could use for that is momentum. Because what we want to do for the rest of the season, I still think there's a title race, right? I, I, I won't, won't deny that. But what you want to do is you want to get the first trophy and get them thinking about us. Maybe a little bit recently under our previous management, we've been thinking about them. And I, I mean, in terms of setting up for games and what they will do. Well, that stops. There should be only one-way traffic with that. You think about us because really important ones. 
And so therefore, that's why it's so important to get in there and win that game. Bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. Part of the discourse, I guess, around our chances on the 26th of February and our chances going forward for the rest of the season has been around we need to add to the squad, we need some fresh blood, we need to to refresh in some areas of the squad and Michael Beale needs to be backed. He's shown that he can he can get a tune out of the players that are there, but I think we've we've rode our luck a bit with the players that are there um so far. And while we've I think it's six wins out of seven games and obviously the, the draw against Celtic at Ibrooks is it's, it's not a record to be to be sniffed at. But I think the, the pressure's now on Michael Beale and, and the Rangers board to to back themselves and to back each other and it, we're 16 days into the transfer window now and we've not had anyone signing the dotted line we're 10 days out from Michael Beale saying he'd already met two or three players and he was expecting stuff to move quickly from there what's your what's your thoughts on that sort of point of view that we do need to add to the squads in January and need to add well to the squad in January if we're going to have any chance I think definitely the squad won't be good enough to last the duration of the season on all three fronts. It might be good enough to do okay, as we've seen the first half of the season. It certainly won't be anything special. I think the likes of Jack and Lundstrom will be capable if you're playing ball-dominant games. Old-firm games tend not to be that, so you can rule out the cup final, you can rule out the other two old-firms in that, and you can possibly rule out a Scottish Cup meeting with them in that. But I think overall, we've got a lot of players out of contract at the end of the season. I mean, we've got a goalkeeper turning 41 this this month. And the backup's 35. It's it's going to be a big summer. Adding them in January only gives them more time to bed in and settle into the squad, the country, if they're from abroad or whatever, and just get them used to the way the manager wants to work because it's not going to be a short-term fix. It's not going to be... A reactive approach. Bill knows what he wants to do. He's going to be proactively recruiting in their style. And like Tommy says, I think the way we should be approaching this now is it's always been the saying that they hate us more than they love their own club. And I think that reflects in a managerial approach. We the difference between a manager that plays to win and the difference between a manager that plays to not get beat are probably emblematic of Gio Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Tommy, I just wanted to touch on Paul McGarrigal's uh, comment below. That Michael Beale doesn't want just anybody. It's got to be the right fit. These things will take time. He could have just brought in anybody, but that won't do. I'd, I'd agree with that one, and I think that was shown in the process that Michael Beale has sat down with each of the players individually, and he's obviously laid out what his expectations are and what his standards are. I think the concern from my perspective anyway, and you, you may disagree, is that we are 16 days in. We did, we have just played a, a cup semi-final yesterday that we could have done with some fresh players, I think, or, or at least a little bit of a, um, a little bit of stronger squad going into that kind of game, even if it is Aberdeen. I still think we, um, the squad needs that, needs that bit of fresh blood. And uh, what's your thoughts on that one? It, it takes as um, Paul's comment, obviously saying it takes as long as it takes, and we just need to be patient because the window's still open for another fifteen days. Yeah, well, you started the question, giving yourself an answer, and went back to a question there. Uh, as you were doing that, I have to say, uh, which was no mean feat, and, and hi to Paul as well. I think Paul's point spot on, and I'm not being glib with you there, uh, Craig. What I mean is, you can't have both things, so. It's absolutely the case that we would all have wanted players in that were playing in that semi-final, right? However, the nature of the window is it's slightly cyclical in that you're waiting for agents, other teams, whatever, to move players on to get things over the line. I, I sometimes think that as a, as a support, maybe just in football generally, we, we always forget there's a counterparty. So I want a player that's fine, I need to deal with that player and his agent. His agent's away trying to get even better deals. Then you've got his original club and they're waiting maybe to see if they can move somebody or they can get somebody in that's going to allow them to free up that body. And then there's a whole mass of administration and talk round about that, try to keep it secret. It's not as simple as picking up the phone and going, notice you're not played in the last two months. Right, that's it, signed and sealed and delivered and that's it over the line. These things by nature take time. It's frustrating, I get frustrated as well. 
ultimately all you can judge it on, right? And we all love the phrase, oh, we've done our business early. Uh, okay, that probably works for end of season stuff, less so that the January transfer window, from being honest, because pe people can firm up their plans for that. All you're asking for is the January window, when you come out the end of it, have you done your business? Are you in a better place? And I sense Rangers are trying to do two things, which is shift some people out and then bring in people who are going to be starters, because Michael Booth has been very clear about that as well. Again, it's not easy. You're having to work all that. I sense that we will bring in three, I'm not entirely sure before, but three players before the end of the window. Yeah, Reese, I take I take Tommy's point in that we do need to be patient and there are um there are other parties involved in, in every transfer that goes on and it's a bit of a movable feast as well. I think the concern from my perspective is that Michael Beale started talking very publicly around particularly Todd Cantwell, albeit not naming him by by his name, um, but talking very publicly that the, the media reports aren't far from the truth and that he's a player that he admires and he started talking about the qualities that, that Todd Cantwell has as a player. We then saw this morning reports that PSV have an interest in Todd Cantwell. Now there's every chance that it could be agent talk and trying to try to hurry Rangers up as such. Uh, Ross in the comments says that he reckons we've agreed terms with Cantwell but not with Norwich. We've got to be patient. What's your thoughts on the Todd Cantwell side of things? I think he was the kind of player that were we to bring him in, I would have hoped it would have been done quickly so he could make as much of an impact on this season as possible. It seems to be dragging on a bit. What are your thoughts on the situation currently? I would probably disagree with yourself slightly. Um, for, for Ross's point, I was listening to a Sky Sports Transfer Talk podcast today who reported that we hadn't made an official bid yet. So I'd be likely to agree with Ross that we've probably agreed terms we can't well and he's okay that or whatever. But the fact that we've not even approached Norwich yet is very surprising to me. Um, it might have been informal discussions or however we've approached them, but I took that as that we've not made contact yet, which is pretty surprising. I think they're trying to judge how valuable these six months are. And for me, I don't think that the emphasis is so much get them in for this season. It's more for next season. I think, to disagree with Tommy's view, the league's gone for me. And yesterday we seen that this squad will be able to compete with the likes of Aberdeen. Like, we can get through that semi-final. doesn't matter if you win a semi-final and then lose the final, you'd have been as well to get out the semi. Um, so for me, it's games like yesterday, we don't need massive reinforcements to get through. Old firm games, we will. The rest of the Scottish Cup, however it pans out, we could probably do with this squad right up until the final unless we, beat, we meet Celtic. Um, we are competent enough against every other team in the league, in the country. But the league's gone. We're in that final. We can get through the majority of the Scottish Cup. I wouldn't go totally over the odds in January, this January, because I don't see that much value in the rest of this season, other than preparing for next season. And with the likes of Cantwell, the only reason I would pay a fee now is to stop other clubs like PSV poaching them for free in the summer because it then comes down to who can offer more wages where we may lose out. Yeah, I think I have to disagree with you on a few points there, Rhys. Um One, I don't think the league is quite gone yet. It's pretty close to being gone, but I'm not I'm not willing to to give up on it just at this point. Um, but there a lot of stuff needs to go our way for it to happen. And I think that is going to be influenced by what moves we make in the transfer market in January as to how likely how likely that will be going forward. Um, another comment that's come in, Tommy, from Stuart McKenzie. Uh, it's all pure speculation at this point, unfortunately, but it's been stoked by the manager. Michael Beale's obviously spoken a lot and very honestly and openly in the media since he's um, taken on the job. What are your thoughts on that in general and what are your thoughts in terms of how he approaches that during a transfer window. Yeah, just putting on record again that I disagree with Reese that the, the the league is definitely not gone at this point in time. Although I do agree, it's 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 right on the it's right on the button. Uh, I do get I do get that. Just going back for a second to the Norwich thing, it's absolutely the case that I think Reese is absolutely onto something there in terms of we might not we don't jump in on the bandwagon of you know. Cantwell is going to be in the door and maybe the Rangers are trying to leverage that position a little bit, which is we've agreed with Cantwell, 
we can get him at the end of the season? Or can we then pressurise Norwich to come to the, t- the table and come up with a reasonable figure to get him in right now? Maybe that's some of that going, that kind of horse trading in the background. It's no bad thing, but we might have to settle in for players get signed, but they don't actually appear until until the end, uh, till next season. In terms of Michael Beale, it's re- listen, it's always refreshing when a manager's fairly open. Um, do I think his commentary round about Cantwell is helpful? I don't actually. And the potential for it to blow up and look stupid is real. I am probably more of the old school and it. it's maybe not not a current kind of view because everybody likes information immediately and social media drives some of that as well. I get the irony of sitting on a podcast talking about this stuff, but everybody wants to know immediately and be inside it. I like the old, it's signed, it's sealed, there's the, the picture holding up the jersey type of thing. Um, and I mean that in a Rangers sense, as in he's holding up the jersey because he's actually signed, not like uh, historically some other clubs as well. But I, that was, that's what works for me. I don't like this whole kind of narrative. And I know why Michael Beale's trying to do it. He's trying to make sure that people are informed, he wants to be open and engaging. Fantastic of them. I would maybe just keep that in a drawer unless it's absolutely signed and sealed because there is a potential if we don't get camera, then Michael Beale could look slightly silly or indeed, worst case scenario, it's not silly. It looks like he's slightly divorced from the board and the board of Ross Wilson didn't go far enough to support him. And that's a narrative that we just don't need because it's probably not true, but you don't want to give the media or rival fans or ourselves any of that worry. It should just be a case of there you are. I, I'm. I, I don't love Fabrizio Romano. No, um, it has to be. Maybe, has to maybe be. a Scottish cousin, actually. Maybe. If <laughs> you order them, if you order them off wish, this is what turns up. Um, I one of those ones, but no, I, I just don't like that whole kind of. And I don't mind after the fact. Oh, this is what we had to go through, and we had to do deals, and this was brilliant. That's all interesting, right? I like that side of it. I like the business side of it. But do it when it's locked tight. Because then you don't have any of it blown back up in your face. Yeah, I think that's probably where Michael Beale has been coming from. And I think the, the suggestion from Ross and Reseller that actually we've probably agreed a contract for personal terms in the background. And then, like you said, Tommy, potentially using that as leverage to, to reduce the fee um, rather than signing on a pre-contract. I personally would like him to come in the door now rather than in, in the summer, um, even if it's just to settle into how we play football. And obviously the... The amount of possession we have, the the the, the defences that we come up against. If he has six months under his belt, getting used to that before going flying into next season, I think that would be much more beneficial to us from that perspective. Reese, there was um, some news earlier on today. It was reported by Wales Online uh, that Rangers are interested in Swansea striker Morgan Whitaker. He's 22 years old. He's just been recalled from uh, his loan at Plymouth Argyle. Um, when he was there, he had uh, nine goals and seven assists in 25 games. So that's 16 goal contributions in 25 games. What are your thoughts on, on that one? Obviously, a League One striker or a, a, a striker that's been playing at League One level. He's young. He's 22. Um, where would you see him fitting into our, our team when he comes in? I believe the report said that... Um, Swansea have rejected a bid from an unnamed club, but the club is believed to be Rangers. So if we've made a bid, we're obviously serious about it. So how would you see him fitting into our squad? Uh, we were speaking about this briefly um, off air just before we started, Craig. And I, I had said that I'm a bit hesitant that, you know, the likes of Ryan Hardy looked prolific in League One. Um, I think Greg Doherty was, you know, a player of the year for Shrewsbury down there. He looked prolific, good move to Hull. Um, Whitaker, just to contradict the report, he's not a striker. He's not a striker. I've looked at his season heat map. He's very much a right wigger. His season heat map basically has him, if you look at the whole area where a number 10 could be, he's on the right-hand side of that all the time. That's where he's seriously warm, basically. And it also indicated that he, he was a set-piece taker. He looked like he took corners for Plymouth as well. Um, the fact that he's been called back to Swansea is probably promising for his development. How true the rumours are, we're interested. I'm not so sure, considering we've got Haji, Lawrence, Sakala, Matondo, Wright, who can all occupy that position. 
unless we're certain that we're going to get a few of them out the door, i.e. maybe Matondo, right, then I don't think it's an area we need to strengthen at the minute, especially over likes a centre midfield and goalkeeper. Yeah, I'd, to be honest, I don't know much about him at all. Today was the first that I'd, I'd really heard of him, um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how that one progresses because it does seem that there is some legs in, in that one, given that um, it should be reported that we've had a bid rejected. Tommy, just on the on Morgan Whitaker, who we spoke about was playing in League One up until being recalled last week by Swansea. Uh, DC comes out of the comments and says that if this is a level, people thinks we should be we should get excited about his miles off it. What's your what's your thoughts on that comment from DC? I get I get it, but I probably I disagree with it in that if we were in a place where we could always get excited about signing signings would be would be perfect, right? But those days are maybe all, not all gone, but very rarely you're going to get the finished article. You know, we're not in the place to be able to do that. Scottish football isn't the place to get a finished article most of the time. Um, what you're looking at is people who are young, hungry, can do a job at the moment, but can develop and, and give a profit. And, and like I said, I get DC's point. We all want to get signings coming in. You go, oh, geez, that's, that's incredible. I cannot wait to see him and... And, and a blue jersey, but our transfer record recently has been fairly spotty. If, if you want to you know, be honest about that, spotty probably airing towards the side of not very good. Actually, a couple of highlights in there in terms of in terms of sales, but ultimately we are a development club to some extent. As in, we'll get players in like this and we'll try and sell them onto the Premiership. So. You know, if the management team have identified this player and said he can do a job and he's in the right cost bracket, yeah, fair enough. You got you got to have some belief in that. Like you said, he's twenty two. He's played. I keep me right here because I had to look at the heat map as well. Actually, I figured I should do some some research before talking off. But Reese has gazumped me with that. I was also looking at the fact that I think he's he's maybe on an upward trajectory, if you like. So he's he's a He's appeared at, I think, every level from under 16 to under 20 for England. Maybe not too many for under 20s and under 19s. But he's also, you know, started to... He's, well, he's kept, a, he's kept a legitimacy about his goals. I think it was like, you know, 9-5. And then it's tailed off a little bit. So we're trying to get players who are just in a slump. We can get them cheaper and then we can, you know, get them, get them firing again. You're not going to get excited about that. It's just, unfortunately, where we are. But the days of signing big, big players who are going to get you really excited, even when we do shell out a lot of money. I mean, who was genuinely excited about Yelmaz? Genuinely. You know, out, strip the hype out. And that was, what, five million? A lot of money. You're not going to get much more than that. So whilst I agree with, with DC and I would love it if it was different, horses for courses, cut your cloth, any other cliche you want to throw at it, that's where we are. If the boy can come in at 22 and do a job, I'll take him. Yeah, Reese, uh, John Weir, makes a fair point when he says look at Joe Aribo who we obviously got on the cross-border fee uh, same as Bassey um, I think we've had quite a few players that have either arrived on three you've got Alfredo Morelos who we got for a million a million pounds five years ago and look at what he's contributed to the club over over the years and in some big games as well not just in the league but in big European games and big European stages and big European moments. Um, Ross says we have to be realistic of the market we're in. Most of our signs will be free transfer or cheap deals, develop at the club and sell on for profit. That's the model. I think I agree with that in the large part as to that's how we're going to be, but I don't think all players can be bought on the basis of we're going to develop them and, and sell for I'm a I'm pretty profit. sure that's what I just said. <laughs> that's how pressure, pressure Ross is at it. <laughs> to be honest with you, he's having, he's having me on uh, there to some extent. So I don't want to you know, kind of jump in again, but th that's it, right? What, what do you want? Do you want to go and spend your money somewhere in between? You know, this is one for the for both of you and for the and for the watchers, right? You've got a pot of cash. Are you going to spend it on people who you might be hit and miss sometimes, but the lower level cost basis and every now and again, you're on the other gem, right? But they're young. Or do you want to go and spend it on a 34-year-old who's coming towards the end, but he's a bit of a glamour name, and he might give you a season or a half a season? Do you know what? I'll take the former every single time because at least there's a chance of doing something. I don't want older players who are 
ready for the knackers yard and all that type of thing, rocking up at Ibrox anymore just because they're living off their name. I'll take the hungry development model where we can actually try and coach them. And Michael Beale and his team are great at coaching. So get players in that they feel that they can coach and mould. I think there's a balance there, Tommy. I'd, I've, I know you said you used the 34-year-old one and I would I would throw right back back at you the name David Weir um and his five or six seasons with Rangers right. but um, <laughs> David Weir you're gonna get an Aaron Ramsey. No, absolutely yeah. I disagree with that one, but I think I think there's a balance to be had and that you can't just go out and buy all of these young um or, or I yeah. call you might be young and promising. I think you need you need the experience in there and you need to find that right balance in the squad. Yeah, so two things to that. One, I did spot in the comments. Yes, I, I know, Ross, you're backing me up. I very much appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, but I'm not saying you don't sign those experienced players. That would, that would be silly. So I, I totally agree with you. What I'm saying is, what's the balance here? We've got a squad full of experienced players. Eh, so I'm experienced at playing for Rangers. I'm experienced in the Scottish game and all that type of good stuff. So right now, you don't need to go and get that. You know, we did, and we, we've picked up some experienced players. I think we, depends what you want to tell us, experience, right? But um, keep me right here, guys. Cholak last season, 29. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's top end. You're looking at that and you're saying minimum chance of, of a resale value to recoup your money. You're willing to take a bit of a punt on that. So we have been buying that. And I mean, David Weir is an anomaly, right? And fantastic with it. I would also point out to anybody who's not found it. Um, I, I think I did a, an interview with Davey Weir for This Is Ibrox. It's in the archive, find it on the YouTube channel, right? Um, that's called a plug, I think. So all of that, I'm not saying, you, you know, you don't get experienced players in, but got a lot of experienced players. Do you want to replace them like for like? Or are you buying needles who are experienced and then packing the rest of it with young, hungry players? That, that needs to be the way forward. Yeah, I think so. Reese, we realise that both myself and Tommy have kind of Spoken over your opportunity to give your thoughts on this one. So, oh, what were your thoughts on the, the balance of the the balance of the squad and how it should be built? I'd agree with Tommy that there are, we do have too many experienced players and players that are that are coming to the end of their time at Rangers or already past the end of their what should have been the end of their their time at Rangers. And I think we were the vast majority of us were calling for a refresh of the squad last summer. But in terms of the um, the player in terms of the balance of do you go for the more experienced player or do you go for the, the promising up and coming player where where the where, where is the right balance that Rangers should kind of hit with that one? See right now it's definitely got to be the younger players we've got. <clears throat> I think it's it's definitely either the second or third highest average age in the SPL. Like highest average age we are second or third to the top. Obviously, the likes of Davis, McGregor will drag that up, but it will do the same every club. So the fact that we are maybe third from the top in terms of highest being age is worrying. We should definitely be lower. The only thing I would caveat it with is, and back to John's point, the listener, um, for every Aribo and Bassi you get, you will get a Josh Windass and a Matt Crooks and a Jordan Rosser. My thing would be, I don't mind them taking the punt. And especially now that I believe we've got better judges of character actually involved in the coaching team and who will have their say in recruitment, i.e. Michael Beale. So I think he's got a better judge of character than those who've gone before. But it's, a, it's still a risk. It's not something I'm going to get excited about, to be totally honest. And I think the likes of Cholak and attacking players and actual match winners here and now are going to be the likes of transfers that get you excited. The fact we've put a bid in for Whitaker, if true, then that would indicate there's something there. And I'm totally inclined to go with this recruit uh, management team, actually, having full say in recruitment and backing their judging ability, because I think they're more than competent in it. Yeah. More so yeah. than me sitting at a laptop screen going, oh, no, don't go for him, or ah, yeah, I sign him. Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I would back them more so than I would Twitter. Don't, don't do yourself down, Reese. You never, you never know. You'll get, you'll get some of them, right? Um, yeah, don't do yourself down. That's me and Craig's job. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> See, at my height, I'm down all the time. I've got so many pulling me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, just before we move on, AG saying Windass is on fire. I think we can all agree that's a no. Um, that should be on fire. 
Um, I, I think he means the, the, the son and not his father or whatever, but um, aye, no, no thank you. Yeah, that's a no M word here saying I'd rather Shankland. I think um, he's one that, that people have discussed um, a bit in the past and I think he's probably been a victim of the, the SPFL snobbery that sometimes comes across uh, from Rangers fans. So, um, albeit I think quite a lot of his goals do come from penalties and we've already got a pretty good penalty taker um, when it comes to when it comes to that, Reese. before we move on to talking about the Kilmarnock game we've got coming up on Wednesday, just wanted one more transfer rumour that seems to be doing the rounds on social media, but I've not really seen it anywhere else. Is I think his name's Alex Peter from Romania. Um, he's 20 years old. I think he plays for Faroul Constanta, who are owned by uh, Georgie Hadji, um, obviously Yanis Hadji's dad. From what I've seen, the only links between us and and the player seemed to come from the fact that Yanis Hadji's dad owns owns the club and nothing else. He's, he's, he's 20 years old and I think he said he would love if the chance came to play with alongside Yanis Hadji. But I've not seen anything else on that one. What's your, what's your thoughts on that link? It seems a bit left field. Before the link started, I'd never heard of him and knew nothing about him. I actually wrote in our group chat the other day, is he any good? Someone says he's Scott Wright with end product, which would suggest to me that his numbers are good. So if his stats are good, then that's maybe why guys, you know, like Patrick, who look a lot of data and provide some really exciting gems who could be worth looking into, would propose as guys we should go for. I think he's maybe been... Somebody's looked at numbers and went, oh, we should go for him. And then Scottish media have gone, oh, who is he? Is there a link there? Contacted him and played for a team in Romania who I've never heard of. He's likely to go, oh, I'd like to go to Rangers. It's either that or Hadji himself is fueling the rumours, in which case I'd be sceptical because if somebody who owns an asset trying to sell you it, there's probably a reason they're trying to ship it. So it may be that one of those two is the case for it. If he's a good player, he's a good player, but I know nothing about him to offer a high level of comment on it. So until i seen him or whatever, then for me it's just speculation at the minute. Yeah, I think we'll watch this space on that one. I wouldn't really expect, the way it's been reported, I wouldn't expect any movement on on that, if I'm being honest. Tommy, last one before we go into Kilmarnock. RFC 56 saying I'd rather Nisbet than Shankland. What are your thoughts on, on Kevin Nisbet from Hibs and, and the fee it might take to extract him from, from Weath? Uh, yeah, I, I like Nisbet. I think there is a player in there. Do I think they would be able to do a deal that represented value with Hibs? No. So unless it's a case of getting him, if he runs his contract down or whatever, I think he's got a good few years left on that contract, then it's it's one that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be breaking the bank to get him. You know, I think you can get potential elsewhere and that's all he is. He's potential, he's had a bad injury, he's come back from it. You wait to see how a player reacts to that once they've played another full season in terms of fatigue and all that type of good stuff as well. But yeah, if he came up for the right price, fine. Do I think that would happen? I don't actually I think he'll get priced out of us because there's opportunities to spend our money a little bit wiser elsewhere. I should say as well, there's a player profile um, on P2 coming out uh, on this is Ibrox as well blog. So that should, I think, be published tomorrow morning from one of Kai Watson's. If anybody wants to know the guy's stats and numbers, that'll be back out. That's my second plug of the night. I am on fire. Yeah, they are doing well with, with sewing those ones in. I was just hoping it wasn't Reese that wrote it, so it's all good that it's Kai. So we're <laughs> fine, on, fine on that one. <laughs> um, maybe I should have invited Kai on this podcast. We'll get better at that one, it's fine. Um, I think going going forward, it's going to be interesting seeing how this transfer window develops for Rangers. We've got 15 days to go. That's still a lot of time. We're only halfway through, so it'll be really interesting. But Tommy said to expect three players. I'll, uh, I'll be quite happy with, with three players if they're all starters. So let's see how, how that one develops. Right, looking ahead to Wednesday night, we return to uh, league action against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. We won't mention the pitch too much, um, but we are at that dreaded AstroTurf pitch. It is, in fact, the first game that I've managed to get an away ticket for and I'm away for work. So that's uh, that's landed well. <laughs> that's landed well for me. Um, so, But moving on to the game itself, Reese. It's always a difficult venue for us. We know Kilmarnock will make it physical. Um, we know they've got the likes of Kyle Lafferty up front, who on his day can still be 
dangerous. Um, we know they've got uh, Alan Power has returned to play for yeah. Kilmarnock this season, and he's he enjoyed a yellow card against Rangers. Um, have you? What are your thoughts heading into into the game on Wednesday, and and how how we'll shape up? Um, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be difficult. Um, Kilmarnock are a decent side. They will make it tough as you'd expect. We should have the quality to see it out. I don't think there'll be a lot of goals in it. I think it'll be a lot of frustration. I think it will just be the case of a bit like Aberdeen away. See when Aberdeen went two one up and we played them at Petodre, I think it'll be that. I think it'll be just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. Um it may be desperation at times. I'd be surprised if we see Kamar Roof on that surface. So I'd be inclined to think that Morelos is most likely to start. Um I don't think you'll risk the likes of Roof on that surface. I could be totally wrong. But Kilmarnock are difficult. Alan Power loves a tackle. Aye, that's more than well said. They will likely go five at the back as well. So it's just it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be pretty. I'm half glad I'm working for the start of it so that I've got an excuse for missing 15 minutes of it. Um, but... Aye, it will be frustrating, but hopefully we can move all the three points. Yeah, Tommy, I think I think we'll all accept we're probably in for a physical game on Wednesday night at Rugby Park. I think games against Kamarok always tend to be, especially at Rugby Park, tend to be tight games. I think um, the the one that sticks in my head is always the, the Conor Goldson last-minute winner is, a, is a, an example of how those games can kind of pan out. Um, we spoke about uh, Kamar Roof. I think Kamar Roof will be injured for that one. It looked, I actually thought he'd broken his wrist yesterday, the way he was moving off. Michael Beale then spoke in his post-match press conference about it being a shoulder injury, but it wasn't dislocated. So I, I guess it remains to be seen whether um, Kamar Roof will be able to to, to make it or, or at least be able to play with, with, with that kind of injury. How do you see the game sort of playing out on, on Wednesday night? And is, is it one that you're looking forward to? I don't look forward to much about Kilmarnock, it has to be said. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I think, yeah, just on that, I think Ruth, I think Ruth has had problems with his shoulder before. I think it's a recurring injury. Um, and you do worry at some point if he's going to have to have surgery on that shoulder or whatever. You know, it's, it looked like a fairly innocuous fall, it has to be said. But, you know, um, I don't think it'd be risked. Is, I'm agreeing with you. I think yourself and me have, have covered everything that you're expecting there. Kamalak are not a good side. They're really not. They've had a, a problem recently in terms of scoring goals. I think the last three games have you know, all drawn blanks, albeit two of them are up against Celtic, you know, pretty good defensively. And then another one was a 0 0 with St. Mirren. And then there they, you know, beat off Hearts, doing Motherwell beat Aberdeen, which is no mean feat, obviously. Um, I, I think they will huff and puff. They'll look to get the ball up in the air and they'll look to get their bodies in against us and see if we can react well with the physicality of it. You know, we saw that our midfield got a little bit rattled by Graham Shinney and um, I forget the other guy's name, defensive midfielder for Aberdeen as well. He ended up getting booked. Is it Ramadani? Is it Ramadani? Ramadani, thank you, yes, Ramadani. Um, and also people like Davies, as much as I like Davies at the back, it does look as though he might just struggle sometimes with a wee bit of the physical nature of people being up against him as well. Uh, so I think they'll try and exploit that. They'll try and do the usual stuff with fullbacks, all that kind of good tactical stuff, play through the lines. I could, you know, we could bore each other to death talking about that type of stuff. But I think there will definitely be a... Can, can Rangers weather it and are they up for stepping forward into these games and trying to take advantage of what Michael Beale's not been able to crack yet, which is Rangers starting lethargically uh, in games, you know, and, and waiting for the halftime G up to then go and do something. I sense that we probably need to start again from the, the first whistle, get in amongst um, Kilmarnock, get something early. Don't take your foot off the gas at that point in time. Go and get the second one, hopefully go and get the third one, and then you know make them look like the second bottom, third bottom team that they really are. Um, that should be the way that we handle a, a small team like Kamarnock. Yeah, Tommy, sticking with you, and you spoke about the, the need, I guess, for us to start games quickly. We seem to 
the pattern seems to be do well for the first 10 minutes, struggle for the rest of the first half, and then come out firing all cylinders for the second half. One of the things I think will be real important in the game on Wednesday night is the midfield and the makeup of that midfield. I think we saw yesterday in the first half, I guess, a, a, a pattern of a, of a problem that seems to be coming, and that's when Ryan Jack is sitting deeper in the midfield alongside Winstrom, especially in the mid in the midfield yesterday, Ryan Jack was effectively dropping into the left back area more often than not to try and take the ball. And it's actually, and I think it was the same at Petodre, if I remember correctly, when Ryan Jack has moved to be more advanced in the midfield is when we seem to play forward with a bit more impetus and a bit more pace and a bit more intention. But when he's sitting further back, we tend to struggle with that one. I don't. How do you see that midfield makeup um, coming together on on Wednesday night? How do you see the personnel being, and and how do you how do you think we can try and construct it? I guess to to get that fast start. There's a lot in that question, so I'll try and I'll, I'll try and be brief actually uh, for once on that. Which is first of all that dropping in. I think he was also dropping in right. I mean, one of his jobs is a bit like the Alexander Arnold at, at Liverpool. You know, Jordan Henderson. The job of them, the fullbacks, is to get forward. So somebody else comes across and, and fills that in. That's a you're taking that risk and you're happy with it. To be honest with you, it's quite clear that our midfield doesn't fit together. You know, I, I don't think that's that should be surprising to anybody. But playing Kamara, Lundstrom, Jack as a three, if you like, right, or a triangle, right, depending on how how you feel, it, they're, they're too similar to some extent, and they don't naturally gel. I know we played all right in the semi-final and you can get over the line but you're looking for a little bit more creativity and you're looking for a little bit more understanding of the positional play and that's not to say that they didn't do a good job because they did we're going to have to go with what we've got though so it's pick one of you know or pick two or pick all three of, of that you've got you've got Jack and you've got Kamara you know what do you want to do across it because what it leads to though to some extent is we get where we are right now which is, you know, we've been very prevalent on getting the ball out wide and you know, Tav and Ballner or whatever, crossing it in. One of the things we've tried to do under Michael Beal, I'm sure people have spotted this, is play a little bit more centrally as well, make teams guess, are they going to come through us? Are they going to go over the top? Are they going to use wide? Because that's all we were ever doing, that, that kind of wide thing. Do I naturally think that any of those three players I've mentioned don't have that cutting ability? No, I don't. So you're going to have to live with that until somebody else comes in. So in terms of your your question, which is what does the midfield look like? I'd be surprised if he doesn't go for the exact same midfield that started against Aberdeen. Um, the only question would be maybe with some Ryan Jack's injuries. It might be Kamara for Jack. Um, and I do agree with the point you were making about Jack as well in terms of that slowing the ball down, etc. You know, he's a he's a mover. Um, he's not not naturally kind of gonna drive everything. But yeah, until somebody else comes in to fill the bodies, that's what you're stuck with. Yeah, Reese, I think I'd have to agree with Tommy. I think it'll be Lundstrom, Jack and um, Tillman in, in that midfield. I think it'll be, hadn't really considered, if I'm being honest, Ryan Jack's previous injuries. And like Tommy says, that might bring like Glenn Kamara into the mix. That midfield area, I think it's really important that that we're able to assert ourselves more on, in games than we have done in recent weeks. And I think take control of the possession and maintain control of the possession. We seem to take it in fits and starts, but struggle to maintain it for the full game. How do you see us being able to do that on Wednesday night? Just drop my bomb in there. I think um, has largely gone forgotten there. Scott Arfield, it's an industrious game. It's going to be physical. You're going to need energy. You're going to need intensity. Even if it's not for the full 90, I would have Scott Arfield starting there. I think he will. I don't think he'll risk Jack with his ankle and his knee. Um, I think it'll be Arfield slots in there. Probably with Lundstrom and Tillman, you've got the option of Kamara coming off the bench. Um, but I think he'll just, especially if we're looking to play vertically through the middle, Arfield gives you those runs in behind. He's going to be, he's going to match the physicality the likes of Alan Power, who no shirt it off, um, that perhaps the likes of Tillman, much to my frustration, will. But I think, you know, you've got to have Scott Arfield in there for energy for me. So it's a very fair point that Reese makes, to be honest with you. It is a fair point. Yeah, absolutely. I think I do think Scarfield is more effective coming off the bench, maybe just a personal preference from my side of things. And I think it's 
I think I would expect Malik Tillman to start in the midfield. Tommy Malik Tillman was interviewed after the game by the Rangers Review. I think it was when he was asked about potential for his future, and he said it's up to it's between Rangers and and Bayern Munich. I think CRS here in the comments being a bit harsh says I think Tillman is lacking composure and sharpness. Just needs to sort of his passing and ball maintenance and be a top player. I think if I sorted out my passing, ball maintenance, composure and sharpness, then I might be a top player as well. Um, I think I think Malik Tillman is is doing well, and I th- I, th- I seem to think he, he struggled on the surface. Uh, yesterday a little bit in terms of trying to get his foot on the ball and have it moving where he expected it to go. What's your thoughts on, on Malik Tillman's contribution since Michael Beals came in? Yeah, I think football struggled on that surface uh, yesterday full stop, not just the players, but yeah, listen, I, I, I'm on record. I think Tillman is a player. I, I, I maybe get some of what CRS might be trying to say and that it can be a little bit frustrating sometimes, but again, was he 20? Um, he's got he's got talent. There's no doubts about that. Uh, he's evidently got drive and a work rate. He's not scared to track back, put the challenges in. I really like that about him. For five million, I think it is every day of the week. Now you're talking there. We were talking earlier about signings that would get you exciting, right? And you tend to you know familiarity breeds contempt and all that type of stuff, right? But you would say, oh, it's maybe not exciting because he's been pure playing. Getting a 20-year-old Malik Tillman for five million is exciting. That boy will go for more money and would be an absolute starter uh, for Rangers going forward. So uh, there's the exciting one. Sign them up. Get it done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I have to agree with that. I have uh, Stuart McKenzie coming in here with a status earlier as well that Tillman's causing an in Joe Aribo's best season in terms of goals and assists. He's doing the business. Reese Tillman is on five goals and four assists already this season and there's been some important ones in there as well. I think he's I think he's a mainstay in our starting eleven now, would you agree? Yeah, I think he's been a bit of just to use a, a term I've only just plucked out in my head there, he's been a bit of a creative oasis for us. I think we've not had a lot of creativity this year, especially with Haji and Lawrence's abrupt injuries, you know, that have been right across the season. Um, he's probably been outside of Tavern Borna, been our only creative outlet in the team. I, I totally agree with Tommy. It's a no-brainer at that fee. I think he's a commercial asset, especially because he's American. He plays for the USA. Um, he's very marketable. He's got a good pedigree coming through at Bayern Munich. He plays for the USA. He's commercially very, very good for us. Um He'll no doubt prove his worth. I would hold off because, you know, I guess a career end an injury just after we pay five million for him. It would be Rangers luck. Um, very similar to Ryan Kent, I think we'll take up the option. And for the likes of Sands, I think it'll be a case of we don't take up the option. But I think maybe what the comments suggesting is maybe just no worded as perfectly as it would be liked is it's his attitude for me. I think sometimes he can be a wee bit defeatist in that if somebody pulls him back, he's turning around looking at the ref rather than cracking on and just playing to the whistle. Technically, levels above. For me, it's a no-brainer. I think the attitude and that will come and he's younger than me, to be fair, so I don't blame him at all. I was saying, just feeling like a proud uh, a proud dad there hearing somebody else talking about the commercial aspects <laughs> of the player and, and what we could get out of them. Uh, I'm so pleased. And a tip of the cap for the phrase creative oasis. I, I was gonna say I was gonna say I saw you nodding and nodding and enjoy at that creative oasis. Um yeah. use of phrase from Reese there. Um so on that note, Reese, have you got any creative license for the um for the scoreline itself? What how what do you think the scoreline will be? I'll go 2-1 Rangers, 2-1. Tommy, what about yourself? Stick one more on top of that, 3-1 Rangers. I'm going to go for another clean sheet for Goldson and Davies and go for 2-0 Rangers. So, fingers crossed, it'll be three points uh, added to the board once again and we'll be heading into into the Scottish Cup against St. Johnson at the weekend full of confidence. Um, all it's left me to do is... <laughs> At least we'll be full of confidence because judging by the reports, it won't be full of fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's that. Well, is, it, is it 300 home fans so far that have bought tickets? Is that right? Yeah. That's yeah. 
Is that no St. Johnson though at the weekend? It's um it's St. Johnson at the weekend yeah. in the in the cup. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, I was saying the St. Johnston. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I get the ticket prices are high, but you know, there's things to boycott and ways to boycott. Self-defeating. Yeah. All because they um yeah. I think that's self-defeating that one to be honest with you. But I'll take a ticket. <laughs> I'll take one. I sense that conversation might be going on with a lot of St Johnston's fans at the moment. Yeah, I think um if anything it's going to benefit us. So I don't think we can really we can really um moan about about that one. But yeah, we'll round it off there. We're just over there, Mark. So Tommy, thanks very much for joining us. Always, always a pleasure. That was a really good conversation. I enjoyed it, and to do it all the listeners. And Reese, thanks very much as well for joining us. Hope your court date goes well. Cheers for having me on, guys. I'm going to add a tie to the repertoire, but um, I enjoyed it. Cheers, guys. Have a nice night. And a top hat. I mean, top hat in Monaco as well. That was it. <laughs> and thank you very much everyone for listening as well please remember to subscribe to the tii podcast toggle on those notifications and you'll get an email every single time we've got a scheduled live podcast or we upload a new podcast as well in terms of what's coming up the rest of the week i think the guys will be back with a post-match reaction podcast on wednesday night after the kilmarnock game i believe it's going to be kyle and ross for that one uh, it'll be live at 7 p.m on friday that may change slightly time we're, we're having a bit of we're messing about a bit with, with the timing on on that one and then we'll be live after the game as well post-match reaction to St Johnston versus Rangers on Saturday night as well thank you very much everyone for joining us um, and until next time goodbye <laughs>